reading this morning comes from the 13th chapter of Matthew. Jesus put before the crowds another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seeds in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did all these weeds come from? And he answered them, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him then, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then he left the crowds and he went into the house. And his disciples, his disciples approached him saying, Master, explain to us this parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteous ones will shine like the sun. I know what you're thinking, especially after you heard all that weeping and gnashing of teeth. Am I one of the righteous ones? Am I a child of the kingdom or am I a child of the other side? Who are we? Who am I? And if you were to do a search of the way most of the time this text that you just heard, these words of Jesus, this parable and explanation, if you did a quick Google search and you listened to what most pastors and what most churches do with this parable, you would hear something like this. You better be a child of light. You better get your act together. You better make a, either make a decision for Christ and fix up your ways. 
You better get obedient or you're in deep trouble. All the folks going to the Mariners game yesterday and today and then the Taylor Swift uh, concert, I'm sure they're going to hear some bullhorn preachers out there doing and saying just that. Trying to scare people into the kingdom of God. And in doing so, they scare people away from Christ. Irony, isn't it? How to be wheat, how to be the good seed or children of the kingdom. How does that happen? Now that's a better question for this parable and explanation. Will the parable do it? Just Jesus' straight words, will it make us into children of the light, children of the kingdom? Hmm. Or is this parable actually setting us up to where God can do something new in our lives? Something that the Apostle Paul in our second reading so beautifully proclaimed as he talks to us about a spirit of adoption. So where are we in this parable and how is it that we um, find ourselves on the good side of this story? Well, clearly, Jesus tells a story about the time in between the planting of the seed and the harvesting of the seed. Where do we live? To state the obvious, we live in the in-between time. While the weeds and the wheat are growing up together. Now, and thanks to Kim Grasmick, our pastoral care um, assistant and seminary student who took the time to delve into the Greek here, the word for weeds or weed here is actually a specific kind of weed. So I want to give you some information about that. This is not just any old weed, like for instance you see in this picture with that classic, you know, um, weed there to the left. And she, she says, you know, why is it so hard to pull those out and not the wheat, if you see the difference? But this is a specific type of weed. If we go to the next slide. This is Darnell, it's called. This is the, actually the only place in all the New Testament that this word for a weed occurs. Now, weed is the correct, you know, um, weed in the sense, of course, of a plant that you don't want to be where it is. Um, but this is... The way it looks, it looks, Darnell looks awfully similar to wheat. And so this is, um, this is the word, and the definition is here. I'll put that up for you. A particularly undesirable weed resembling wheat and possessing a seed which is poisonous. He sowed Darnell in the midst of the wheat. This is our text. In this one passage in which Zizanion is the way you would say. It occurs in the New Testament. It is possible to use an expression such as poisonous weed. This isn't just a weed that gets in the way. This is a poisonous weed. If it gets into, if you have too much in the harvest of wheat, it actually poisons the wheat. It actually makes you kind of um, dizzy and it can really, if you, in great enough quantity, it can kill you. 
So this is the picture. Can you see the wheat and the darnel in that picture? Can you distinguish them? Well, if you look hard, you can. But you start pulling up that darnel, you're going to be pulling up a lot of good wheat. So what do we do? Well, first what we do is know that the devil is at work and that um, when the word of God is preached rightly, um, as Luther said, the devil's going to come up and set a chapel next door. The devil is always going to be trying to corrupt the gospel and corrupt the church. If you came to the church trying to escape the devil, um, oops, not a good strategy because that's where the devil's going to be, you see. Because the devil's going to be among us trying to mess up what we're trying to do. And is going to sow all kinds of bad things and corrupt the preaching of the word and the gospel. And the way that the devil does this most blatantly, but also, well, actually most subtly, would be a better way to say it, is to replace the gospel with something else. To replace the gospel with the law. Or what Paul says is living according to the flesh. What do I mean by this? To make people think that the church is going to make us all pure through the law. Whether it's Jesus' teaching or the te- Moses' teaching, that the church is here to shape us up and make us better people by uh, giving us rules and regulations. Now, of course, we have those. We have those standards. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. But this is not the way the church makes new creatures, by giving you more to-dos, more shoulds, and more wouldas, and better, and musts. That's not the way we are made new creatures. You might say, wait, I thought that's why I come to church is to be made a better person and get those good laws in me. Oh yeah, you're going to hear God's laws. But you know, and most people out in our culture today, they say, well, I'm, I'm not affected by the, your Christian law or your Mosaic law or whatever. But let me tell you, they are. Because no matter what law you want to call it, whether it be a liberal social agenda law or what's sometimes called woke stuff today, or a conservative traditional uh, law, um, people in the culture or a libertarian law or whatever you want to, whatever you want to put out there, you see the, the, those, the debate about all those things is important, and, but they're not going to save you. They're not going to save you, but, but that's what the culture is trying to do. We're going to fix the world because we're going to push this agenda or that agenda or this, this group is pushing that agenda. All of that's going to go on until Christ comes again, I'm pretty sure. But it isn't going to put you where you want to be. And sometimes the devil sows this thought that that's what all the church is about. And you know what the younger generation thinks about the church? They think, I'm going to try and make the world a better place, but sometimes I don't see the church doing what I think it should do to make the world a better place. And why do I need to go there anyway? When I talk to our young people, especially when they go off to school, whether it's a Lutheran school or any school, they they come out with a passion to make the world better, but they also don't think, you know what? Why do I need to go to church? I can do that without. You see, that's not what we need, ultimately. I'm not saying that debate isn't important. It's hugely important, but it is not going to save us. 
And that's the subtle wheat that looks just like, you know, the subtle, it's not wheat, it's Darnell, it's that weed that looks like the wheat. It's so quick, we can think of it, but we miss the boat altogether. I want to speak to the young adults who might be listening and not here, or those that are here, or those that might hear their parents might send them this video um, and say, please listen to what Pastor Bill said. Listen, you need the church for more than helping you be a moral person in the world. You need it because you are a sinner, you are a mixed bag, just the church, if you're honest, and you need a savior. How does this happen then? Does, is Jesus' parable just as a loss going to scare us into the kingdom? Or is it going to set us up to hear good news? And that's what I think it does. What is the setup? Okay, here's, here's, here it is. Paul says, you have received a spirit of adoption. Yes, as a mixed bag, someone that has an old person and a new person, good and bad, all mixed up inside. Someone that um, sometimes does incredible things, sometimes does disappointing and hurtful things. As we come together, and if we're honest, that's who we are. If we can have the guts to look inside, that's who we are. And what we hear in the gospel is not, okay, here, here's new laws to to help that good person, what we hear in the gospel is that guess what? God in Christ has said a word about you. I'm adopting you. The definition here, to formally and legally declare that someone who is not one's own child is henceforth to be treated and cared for as one's own child, including complete rights of inheritance. That's what adoption means. You aren't God's child because you are a sinner. You are a mixed bag. Yes, you're beautiful and wonderful because your God created you, but you have that old part, that turned inward part. It's the same part that's messing up our country, messing up the world, causing wars, causing violence, causing dissension. You've got it in you. And yes, you try and knock it down with laws and shoulds and all that. And I get that. But here's the good news in the midst of all of that. God in Christ through your baptism, through the preached word right now, through the singing of our worship, through the Lord's Supper, is giving you something and is taking you from one place to another. You are now an adopted child of God. I read a story of a parent's adopting a child and they remember it so well and they said I remember standing in front of the judge on our day of adoption he pointed his finger and asked of me is anyone coercing you to adopt this little girl after we had assured him that we were doing it so out of love for this child and this girl this little girl he made the statement from today on she is your daughter. She may disappoint you, even grieve you, but she is your daughter. Everything you own one day will be hers, and she will be and bear your name. And then he looked to the clerk and gave this command. So order a change in this child's birth certificate, and may it reflect that these are the parents of this child. 
This is what's been proclaimed over you. God in Christ has made a word and said, you're a child. You are going to shine like the sun. Not because you've done a lot of great good things, but because God has said so in Christ Jesus. Because of the cross where he took your sin and gave you his righteousness, he's giving you a whole new place to stand. So here's the way. You may, you know, everybody out there in the world that doesn't have Christ is standing on the law. Whatever law it is, that's where they put their confidence. They're going to stand on the law. It won't get them there. It won't get them where they're wanting to go. You've got a gift. You can stand. Not on the law. Not on your righteousness. Not on all that you've done and left undone. You get to stand under this message. This is my child. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's the gift that I get to give you today. Thanks be to God. Amen.